Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Robbie Musto, at halftime, we talked about this is their moment. They're not going to get many more chances. It's nil-nil against Leicester. They've played OK. They have to take it. Yeah. They took it. Are you sitting here surprised? Uh, a little surprised, yeah. I mean, we saw plenty of situations where they could have done better and then a goal comes out of the blue, a magnificent strike from Jamal Lewis there into the corner, beating an in-form and very good Kasper Schmeichel. And then, to be fair... They had to defend. And I looked at the clock and thought, there's 20 minutes. Have Norwich City got enough toughness, got enough aggression, got enough spirit to, to keep Leicester City at bay? And they absolutely did. And Leicester City, very little opportunities after that. That's what Norwich have lacked all season, just a little bit of strength to hold on to things. Because I didn't think when they scored that goal they were going to hold on. They did. Full marks. The spirit is still there. The, <coughs> you see the scenes afterwards with the manager... I mean, if they can't change their position in the Premier League and they go down as last place in the league, they, they must be the best, worst team the Premier League's ever seen because they play some lovely football mm. and, and yet they're still at the bottom of the league. Kyle, how much does it change, do you think, the atmosphere in the dressing room? Just that three points, seven points adrift to now four adrift, which really is much more manageable. Massive in that, um, you know, going, going around the stadium, it was sort of a lap of honour. I think in a way, and I, and I was reading in the body language... Um, of Farka, it's been so long since they've been able to do that. I mean, fewest home points in the Premier League coming in, into the weekend. And, and if you think about last year, how used to winning at home they were, it, it, it can be so defeating, and it can take the wind out of your sails when you play well and don't get to mm. do that at the end. After a win, there, there, there's a, a sort of a systematic approach to winning again that is so much easier to repeat when you have that feel-good fe feeling and training's going sharp, everyone's kind of buzzing around. They, they haven't really been able to enjoy that lately. Kyle, what are your first thoughts after that game? Robbie and I were sitting here talking about it. Um, without context, if you just, if you just watched the match and, and you, you kind of deconstructed how both teams were trying to play, what they were doing, the chances they were creating, you'd say Brighton's probably the team that's safe and, and going to be okay, and this Crystal Palace side might, might struggle to, to accrue points. The reality is the pragmatism of a, a game plan without the ambition of, of dominating possession, of creating a ton of chances... It, it works. It works in the Premier League. And this is kind of the sad reality for Brighton and for Potter is that we've seen so many games where they've created a lot of chances, where they possess the ball a lot and walk, and walk away with nothing. And this is another one of those. You're nodding. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, this is Brighton of last season. And they're doing it very differently. They've got very similar points. Brighton have got a very difficult run of games now to stay in this division. They're going to need another six, seven, eight points to stay in the division. It also comes down to chances. Solly marks a chance in the first half. I mean, it goes by very quickly, and we will show it in the highlights again. That's a really great chance. Mope gets yeah. over the top, the volley. That's a really great chance. You know, you've got to take those chances. And on the other side of things, the Palace goal is avoidable from Brighton's point of view. It comes from a goal kick. Everybody's set up in shape. 
and yet their focus and attention to detail on the defensive side of it isn't quite what Palace's was like. And I'm afraid those two details of the finishing and not being strong enough defensively is the reason they are where they are. Um, I just wonder... Glenn Murray comes on there. He's made six Premier League starts. I talked about it before the game. His goals are so important over the last few years. Does he get him back in the side of Rebecca? Brighton plays some good football, but needs somebody to put he the ball in He buries one, one of those yeah. chances if it falls Probably does, yeah. yeah. Palace, 36 points. Safe for you now? Totally safe. Totally safe. And, and Cole's point, it, it kind of works. His solid shape, pragmatism, taking what they get going forward on the break... They get the goal, they win. Yeah, they're totally... And it's the irony, it's kind of what they had with Hewton, Brighton. And, and so, so they've gone away yeah. from that and, yeah. and, and tried to get ambitious, as Crystal Palace did before with other managers. And so it's the risk-reward of, of how ambitious do you want to be without the talent and without the, the budget yeah. to be able to buy the players that can play that way week in and week out and get points. Robbie, the game between Bournemouth and Chelsea, breathless, entertainment. Which manager will be happier, Eddie Howe, ultimately, oh, despite gosh. leading? Probably with a point. I think you said at the start of the game he'd walk away with a point. I think he'd be happy with that. I mean, they had a great five minutes uh, where they go ahead in the game and you're thinking, can they hold on? And the Chelsea pressure just got more and more and more. And Marcus Alonso, he, he is a, a, a fullback that gets forward. He's got his couple of goals. I still, I know they changed the system in the second half, but I still like that from Chelsea. They allow Reese James on the right and Alonso to go forward in that wing-back system. Uh, and he was a man of match, top man. Your assessment, Carl? You know, it was interesting in, in the um, go back to Conte season where he started as a back four, and, and it was after a couple of results didn't go their way, they switched to back three, went on to have the system that, that set them up where Alonso performed so well to go win the title. You know, Conte being out is an interesting one because I, I do think it might be an accident. This isn't really what he was after, but he's starting to find something that's working. He'll be disappointed with how they conceded the goals, yeah. but he'll love that they poured the pressure on Bournemouth and, and were able to go get a point in that game. So I think Frank is starting to piece together a few things that are looking good long-term. Why did this happen? How did this happen? Um, it's, it's inexplicable in that um, we, we've seen, and we just saw it against West Ham last game, we, we've seen vulnerability. We've seen moments of... Uh, it, it not connecting, it not being fluid, it not being dominant, but but never systemic, team-wide lack of, of focus, lack of effort, and and really lack of quality. I mean, th th there were five-yard passes today that Liverpool couldn't link together. And so, um, you know, you, you kind of have to say another thing that was really interesting. We're sitting here watching it. Jurgen Klopp. Um, you know, we, we talk about the team, but Jurgen Klopp wasn't himself today. I was watching him on the tactical camera, and we were seeing images of him. And, and, and watch Jurgen Klopp here. It was kind of we were waiting for him. He looked stunned. I'm not sure if that's Jurgen Klopp. I think Jurgen Klopp is hogtied with a sock in his mouth in a closet somewhere. That's, that's <laughs> not Jurgen Klopp. And he just almost sat passively and watched his team fail to be what they've been all season long, which is unbeatable. And irresistible. And so, listen, we have to be careful not, not to be too hyperbolic here because what they've done is they're trying to measure up to perfection, to some of the best teams we've ever seen, the Invincibles, right? So falling short of that, we, we, can't, we can't all of a sudden forget how remarkable it is that they had all these records to play for. It's just how they took the loss today that was kind of shocking. And, and his body language there almost looks like he was expecting it, Rebecca, somehow. But Do you think he's felt it's coming? I can't imagine that he has. I mean, to talk about Liverpool in this game, and we have to, we have to say how we see it, that lacked attitude and application. Really? I mean, that's the last thing you'd think we'd ever talk about Liverpool this season. Jordan Henderson, the captain, and James Milner, for me, it wouldn't have happened if one of those players had been on the field to play today. Jordan Henderson, I, I said it before, 
If things aren't looking right, I think he's the guy to point people out, to give them a shake, to get them right again. Um, and the flatness from the first whistle to the players to even the start of second half to the manager is what makes this game remarkable. And we can't read that. I mean, they must have massive regrets about that game of football, mm. of what it's meant with the records and the invincibility and everything else that we thought was coming with Liverpool Football Club. And to give it that way in almost a whimper mm. is astonishing to me. It's one of those score lines when you turn on TV, if people are doing that right now to <laughs> check the score, they're probably thinking we've got it the wrong way around. We haven't. Watford have beaten Liverpool by three goals to nil and their goalkeeper Ben Foster has just started talking. Let's hear from him. Ben, well, an incredible result. How did you do it? Yeah, um, I think I need to say to the lads in there, just, just do that every week. Um, it's easy if you do it like that. That was no, that was great. Well done to them. Um, you know, we we had a game plan and we I think we stuck to it really well. We we made it really tough for them. You know, you saw you saw the front three, their big front three. They were dropping you know right deep to get the ball sometimes, and and when they start doing that, that's then we know we're, we're, our game plan's working. And um, no fair play. I think it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air having Ishmael back. He's um, he's a crazy big good talent um, you know so calm in front of a goal for a young lad and he's got electric pace as well and we needed him today you know the skipper what a finish um, great goal um, no buzzing great one so is that the start of Ben Foster the manager then going in tell the lads just do that every week it's easy yeah it's not hard is it football um, you know keep it simple you know simple easy instructions and like I said we had, we had a game plan the manager knew exactly what he was wanting to do um, he drilled us into it early, early on in the week and, and that was it we stuck to our, our task and, and we took our chances when they came when a team's gone unbeaten for as long as they have and won as many in a row as they have do you go into it with genuine belief I think we can. I think we took a lot of belief from the last game we played against them at Anfield, where we lost two 0 But we, I, th I thought we were the better team. We had a lot of chances. Um, we should have put a couple away in that game. Um, felt a little bit aggrieved that we lost the game two 0 um, So we, we got a lot of belief by that. And you know, even some of the games we've lost recently, we've been in games. You know, we're creating chances, and um, we're just not putting them in the back of the net. Thankfully, they fouled for us tonight. And um, it was, you know, we're not. It's not a thing that we've ended Liverpool. You know, they're an incredible team. They're one of the best teams that you, you, you're likely to see, and it's a pleasure to watch them week in week out. Um, but for us, that's, it's all about us tonight, that we needed them three points, and it's incredible. What about more than the three points? What's this going to do for you? I know you said it's not about them and ending their run, but beating a team that's good, doing something no-one else has done this season, that must do something for your belief. It's, it's huge. This time of the season, the crunch time like this now, um, we know that if any any team, there's there's probably six, seven teams down where we are that, could, that can realistically get out of it. And um, If you can put a run of two, three, four games together where you win three or four out of them, um, you, you, you're literally creating a gap between you and the rest, and, and that's what you need to do. We did it when the manager first came in. Um, we won those three, four, five games on the bounce, pulled ourselves right back into contention, and now we need to go and do a similar thing and, and get out the, the, uh, the, the bottom three anyway. You are out of the bottom three. It's nice, it's a lovely feeling, but we need, like I say, there's a load more work to go. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure, thank you. Great tweet, just put out by Arsenal. Their Invincibles record of 2003-2004 is safe. Let's go back to the gantry at Vicarage Road to Arlo White and to Lee Dixon. Gentlemen, can you make sense of this for us? Well, we'll try. It's very hard to, but I must say, and this is the beautiful thing about the game of football in the Premier League, we've just seen 
Watford fans behind the camera, the season ticket holders, I've never seen smiles as, as broad and beaming as they were on their faces. I mean, what a day. Let's start with Watford. They've deserved it. What a day for them and what a job Nigel Pearson is doing here. Absolutely brilliant. Every single player played their part. We said in, in commentary, just do your job. They did their job perfectly well. Every one of the defence, the midfield, the game plan, the managers, the coaching, the warm-up was brilliant. I said that before. They were on their game today. If they play like that every week, they won't go down. There's no doubt about that. Questions have got to be asked why they haven't done that before on a more regular basis. Got it spot on today. Take nothing away from them. Saar was brilliant. Every one of them to a man. Liverpool, on the other hand, were the opposite. Mm. That was the worst I've seen them. And we've got to be careful, as the boys said in the studio, not to go too... I think it's a blip. It's one of those. And I'm sure Jürgen is saying in the, in the dressing room, lads, absolutely brilliant job you've done up until now. We're going to go on. We go again next week. They've got the cup next week. They've got to, you know, re reshape. They've got to refocus because every single man today was off their job. And when, when that happens, normally they'll find a way of winning. But they were so below their standards of the yeah. set that there's no way back from today against a very good Watford team. In the bigger picture, OK, the records have gone in terms of going invincible and the winning streak. Or, or be it they've still got yeah. the record with Manchester City. In the, in the grand scheme of things, could this have been a timely defeat? before the running and the big prizes are given out elsewhere as well? Uh, yeah, obviously, they, now that's off the back now. They, they can relax and go, right, we're not, we're not invincible anymore. We've got to get on and get on with the, the games that they've got coming up, some big games. But they, no one likes losing. And Jurgen Klopp will be very philosophical about that today, I'm sure. And the players will. But they've got to go again. That, this is a sign of a good side is now they... they train hard this week really hard training and get back on the back on the horse okay we can barely believe what we've just witnessed here <laughs> Rebecca a Liverpool loss in the Premier League we're going to Liverpool tomorrow for Everton against Manchester United talk to you then uh, Jürgen first time in a long time we're talking about a Premier League defeat what do you think went wrong tonight <laughs> oh uh, a lot of things obviously so we couldn't create clear enough chances um Against a very compact side, um, yeah, we did. I didn't, don't think we, we, we felt the game really. It was um, just we tried, we tried, we tried. But at the end, we, we crossed from the wrong spaces. When we crossed, we didn't have the right possession, uh, positioning in the box. Um, so that was the first half. I really thought we started much better in the second half um, because we could uh, adjust a few things. Um, but then. They scored the first goal and from that moment on pretty much everything went wrong because um, I, I have to see the goals back. Of course, the first one I saw, um, you lose one of these challenges, they are not that long with the throw-in, but Dini or whoever um, puts just a body in the ball, bounce in the box and then they are, uh, it's a routine for them. So, well done. And in the end you have just to say and admit um, well deserved what for they, they, they did they played a really good game they did exactly what they wanted to do and um, made our life uh, really uncomfortable but yeah that's it is this almost a proof of you know a lot of people from outside are getting very excited and maybe thinking a little bit too far ahead that this proves your point that you do have to take it every game at a time to use the cliche because if you don't and I'm not saying you did tonight that you know every every game is a massive test even against a club that were 19th in the table start of the day yeah, that's probably the biggest the biggest surprise that a team like Watford that a team like 
West Ham how they played against us in the last game, or even Norwich um, how they can have not in more points. But we don't know about that. So, but um, in all the games, um, the, each team gave us a proper fight, and it was tonight again like this. And they still fight for the league. It's not even clear that they will stay in the league. So that's how it is. But I didn't need that proof. I knew it before. So. Um, yeah. He does seem flat. He seemed. A little bit in shock there, Robbie, didn't he? I mean, you can understand why. It's been a breeze this season for him, but how did you read that into Well, flustered. Yeah. Flustered, not sure what to say. Um, I mean, we know he, he kind of talks a lot, but even that was slower than normal. I don't think he had any kind of... I, I think there's a lot of things that's going on in his head that he doesn't really want to say. I mean, that's got to be about attitude, application and effort. This was a massive drop-off in the game. But he was kind of floundering a little bit for words to try and describe it. And I think, you know, he's leaning against the side there. He's, he looks like... Yeah, looks in a bad way. Yeah. Looks like someone stole his happy thought. You know, it, he... It, I've, his body language of leaning... Even, even that, something as subtle as that, is leaning up against the wall while he's doing the interview... Almost like he sort of can't keep himself up in his own weight. I mean, I know we're sort of nitpicking this, and it's because we haven't been in this place. We haven't watched a Liverpool like that since his first season, probably. And so I think he's a bit incredulous and um, threw out some excuses I know he doesn't even buy. You know, they, they were compact, hard to... Mm. People have been playing against Liverpool like that for the last year and a half, so... I, th- I think maybe there's part of them that there's relief that it's not all of this buildup of records and everything and trophies and titles and 30-year wait, but but uh, th- that seemed like like genuine disappointment and and a shock of, of how shock. bad they were. Yeah, I mean I, I think we all might have expected that there was going to be a bad day at the office for Liverpool and and, and lose a game. I just like that bad a day. I mean really bad day at the office and 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 we're going to go and give Watford a ton of credit. But really, I feel like it was quite comfortable. It's kind of quite comfortable for them. Ben Foster made one save from Liverpool. So just a, a really surprising performance, a surprising attitude from him on the sideline, and surprising interview It's, it's, it's almost as if he, lo- he looked like he, like he felt betrayed or something. You know, it's sort of, sort of like genuinely disappointed and almost too embarrassed to offer an explanation yeah. for what they just what we saw. I mean, don't, don't forget, that's two weeks now that they've been served two losses, right? The, the one against, but the one against Atletico Madrid still had some of the incredibly yeah. exciting football, you know, football where, where they were trying to break down Atletico Madrid in Spain. So th- this looks nothing like that loss. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just as stark a performance as we've seen yeah. since he's been there. We're not worried, though. We're not worried that... The, well, what could we be this, worried about? This isn't I mean, more than just maybe a little fatigue, maybe some mental fatigue. I, they can't become a new team over, overnight. No. That, I mean, that's, that's what it looked like, but he is an incredible manager that will reverse that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Lee was right. I mean, it is a blip, but it's like, wow, what a blip that was. Yeah, Ray. maybe an unexpected mm-hmm. one. OK. Well, Virgil, you knew this would come one day, that you couldn't just keep winning forever, but why do you think it happened tonight? Why were you beaten? I think first of all credit to Watford. You know uh, they deserved it. If you look to, at the game, I think the cr- chances they created, um, they they stick to that plan. And obviously they scored three goals. And I don't think we created too many too many big opportunities. So uh, we we shouldn't take the you know, the credit to Watford away. Uh, obviously we sh- we want to look at ourselves at, uh, most of the with most of the things, and we have to and we have to uh, we have to improve again. But you know, it's 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 a tough one to take, but it's, it's football as well. Defensively, and we don't often say it about you as a team, but did you feel vulnerable tonight? Well, if you, if you can't see three goals, you know that's something that we uh, we didn't have for. 
quite a while. So uh, obviously we have to improve and as, as a team as in, in total. And um, yeah, we, we will. We will. Um, obviously what I said, I think it's very tough to, to, to take this one. And, but um, yeah, I think the, the only positive thing might, might be that we have a FA Cup game in a couple of days again, a very good one again. So uh, yeah, it is what it is. Why do you think that defensive vulnerability has crept in maybe in the last week then? Because before that, you were just shutting team after team out completely. Well, I don't think I agree too much with you. I think um, the last game, one set piece and one good goal. Today, obviously, it should be better, uh, clear as that. But obviously, I think if you look at the whole season, we've been pretty good defensively. We have the most clean sheets, I think, in the, in the league. So, uh, but we know there is room for improvement, and we will. Uh, that's a good thing about about our mentality, uh, and we uh, we won't walk away from this either. You know, we have to improve, we have to do better, and it's not acceptable that we lose here three 0 and also, I think the way as well. Of course, it means that the unbeaten season's gone, that the winning run stops. Does losing them records, those runs, does that in itself hurt? Losing hurts. The records, I think, is only for the media and, and everyone who was talking about it. We, we didn't even mention it once, so we keep going. We want to win our next game ahead of us. That's the FA Cup. And then we have Bournemouth in the, at home and we want to strike back. We want to show what we've been doing the whole season. And that's, uh, that's the only way forward, anyway. Last question. Just wanted to pick up on something you said. You said the way we lost wasn't acceptable. Can you just expand on that? What do you mean by that? 3 0. We, you know, I think the whole season we we didn't lose a game like this. Um, I think um, you know they did very well, but we should have done better. And um, but yeah, what I said, the only we want to strike back straight away, and then and we we will as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Have you felt that as the season's gone on, it's become more difficult to keep winning? Yes, I knew that it will be. It was it's always very difficult, but uh, with all the things around, it's kind of extra motivation. Who can beat us the first time? Stuff like this, we don't have that. We just have to. It's like from you win a game and everything is fine. You win more games and everything is fine. You win a lot of games, it's unexpected number of games, and then it's like um, it's difficult. We are all human beings, but the boys did outstandingly well tonight. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, the, goal, the, the games we won before. Had not to do. With the West Ham game, training all looked like it should have looked. Um, that's how it is. You have just um, you have to accept it afterwards. In the game, you have to fight, and the boys fought. And we, because we were three 0 down, but we still tried. Not nothing, no silly situations on the pitch that somebody was really frustrated and tries to kick somebody or whatever. Um, no, if you win, do it with uh, in the right manner. If you lose, do it like a man. So and that's what we did tonight. We don't want to do that, and it feels. Um, exceptionally average, so it's um, absolutely not what we wanted to have, but we have to accept it now, and now let's carry on. Troy, congratulations, an absolutely well-deserved victory, brilliant performance. Yeah, uh, best performance by, by a country mile. We've um, felt unlucky at times in the past few weeks, obviously, with uh, results going against us, and you know, no one gave us a, a prayer or a hope for this one, so um, Every every single man to a tee was, was quality today, and uh, you know let's not let's not have it out right. They're a, they're a proper outfit, and they're probably going to go on to win not only the league but probably a few more trophies as well moving forward. So 
massive performance from us. Um, and yeah, we solely want to keep it about us and not about Liverpool. You just looked at it from the off. You know, you're in their faces, you counter-attack really aggressively, in numbers, put them under pressure and forced errors. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're realists. We know we're not technically as good as them. Um, again, wonderful outfit. Uh, you have to tip your hat to them, but we know what, what position we're in and we're fighting for everything. Um, I think if you'd have asked probably eight weeks ago, everyone had written us off and we're, we're just just doing what we have to do week in, week out, uh, day in, day out. So uh, the results haven't gone for us, but thankfully today was a great team performance. I'm sure that result hurt a few teams around you watching at home. Is it as simple as if you play like that another handful of times, you stay up? I don't know. I don't know how it's going to pan out. But all, you know, I, I keep saying it week in, week out. It's about we've got to concentrate on on ourselves. You know, if we get sidetracked by um, looking at what everybody else is doing, for sure. Yeah, some some days it will work for you. And you know, today a couple of results didn't really go our way. Um, whether that applies more pressure or not, I don't know. The important thing for us is that that when we go on the pitch, we take care of our own performance because that's all we can really affect. Um, and if one of the um, if if a secondary effect of that is to to apply pressure on other teams, then fine. But we've got to win enough games ourselves. Robbie, you can't beat the champions elect, the would-be champions, and go down, can you? Well, I, can't. I mean, they, they, they've got to take more than just the three points from today's game, yeah, they, surely. They have to, and they will. I mean, surely they, they must realise now what they have to do to get good performances. He said it in his pre-match press conference uh, yesterday um, that he needed them to perform and Liverpool to have an off day, and he got both things right there. I just think when I, I go back to Ben Foster's interview where he said that we've worked on it during the week about a game plan and it worked out perfectly today. I think that you have to give credit to the manager for that, for the players for, for doing that today. Um, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't think they were that stretched, Rebecca. I, I know it was a great performance, well-organised, and, and Ismail Issar, by the way, another example of excellent recruitment at Watford Football Club from Rennes in French football. He's 22 years old and he looks like a star already. Um, but they were comfortable. They were absolutely comfortable at 3-0 and deserved every, every credit we give them. I just didn't see Watford defenders throw themselves in, certain, in terms of the, the, the goal to block balls or have to be miraculous. Ben Foster made one save. They were comfortable. Maybe that's a, another tip to the hat of how well organised and how well they played. Interesting line about Ismail Assar for many, many years has been in the shadow of Sadio Mane, both from Senegal, has looked up to Sadio Mane. And, of course, today, Sadio Mane very much in the shadow of Ismail Assar. What do... How does Nigel Pearson take this and, and, and make it into something more than just three points that's taken them out in the bottom three? Uh, I mean, a technical way is to, is to do video session and, and point out all, all the details that were, that were executed perfectly. Do that again. Forget if it's Liverpool, forget who it is. Do that again. That's what he was trying to say is, listen, getting caught up in can, can we draw this game? Can we hope to get a point here? Can we hope these guys drop points? Um, the thing about today's performance is they didn't make the mistakes. I mean, think about own goals recently or bad calls that didn't go their way. There were a lot of performances where a few minor details uh, were just not focused on and they didn't put together a 90-minute performance. I, I think out of today, he'll probably make sure they don't get too high, to, mm. don't, don't get too excited and spend the week thinking that was a big accomplishment because, listen... You know, Wigan won the FA Cup and got relegated. You know, Aston Villa's in a, uh, in a fine, in a cup fine. I mean, you can do sort of a data point of one miraculous thing during the season and still get relegated. 
Will they? I don't think so because I think they're performing better than the two clubs above them and below them right now. Yeah, yeah I, I think they, uh, they're going to stay up. I thought that even a few weeks ago when Nigel Pearson went in there. He's done it before and he's doing it again. Liverpool, of course, totally out of sorts, Robbie. Jurgen Klopp, we felt, watching him both on the sideline and some of his post-match interviews, certainly the ones he did immediately afterwards with the television cameras, mm. also quite out of sorts. The general consensus <clears throat> that he is now giving over the course of the last 24 hours is that we have to take the positive from this. It's now going to sort of get the monkey off the backs, allow us to go on and win games and stop talking about records. They have to take that approach, don't they? Yeah, and I think it talks a lot of sense there. You're right. I mean, afterwards, he, he looked a little stunned about what he just witnessed, but they're still in for a remarkable season. I think the invincible tag is a special one, and I think that's a big shame, you know, and, and maybe they'll have regrets about how they played that game. But to go all season unbeaten is incredibly difficult. To win 26 from the first 27 games is remarkable. I think we're all a little surprised at how the performance and how poor it was. But it's all the game's about trophies. They're going to win the Premier League trophy. Can they win the FA Cup? Can they make a treble with the Champions League, go back-to-back -back in the Champions League? Only Real Madrid have done that uh, in, the, in the, the modern uh, format of the competition. So... Plenty to play for. They will go again. They've got Chelsea on Tuesday away in the FA Cup. They're back at Anfield next weekend where there's going to be some atmosphere to, to raise them a little bit because it has got to be. I can only imagine how difficult it must be. And Klopp's talking there about all the media talking about records and unbeatens and everything else. Best team, et cetera, et cetera. It must be difficult for the players. And they just, they just fell short yesterday. Well, we've talked about records as well all season. Now we're going to talk about the possibility of the treble, as you mentioned mm. it. Because only Manchester United yeah. have done it in English football. The treble being the Champions League, FA Cup and Premier League. Because that is still open to them, as you <laughs> say. You mentioned the FA Cup game. So they go to Chelsea Tuesday night. Mm. Do you think, as a player, Kyle they will want to get back on the field quickly or do you think they would prefer to have not had an FA Cup tie and actually give themselves a week to just get over what's happened? No, you want to be on, on the field as soon as possible after a loss. Um, I don't know if you felt the same, but you, you, whether it's a bad performance or, or, or a bad result, you, you want to erase it. And, th and that's the beauty of... It's a cliche of, of looking forward to the next game, but it was the beauty of the playing career is that there was always a game. There was always a game so close by. And so they'll want to erase what that felt like. It can't feel good and... and you know, Jurgen Klopp has tried to spin it, and I believe it to a certain extent, of saying, now we can play with freedom, now we get rid of that. It's kind of like being in a relationship where you hope the person breaks up with you, where, like, they were flirting with history, with invincibility, and now they don't have to worry about that pressure anymore. How do you see that FA Cup tie? Well, you know, I just thinking as Carl's talking there, I just... Can they, can they kind of get back up to that level again so quickly? You know, maybe they would have appreciated a little bit of time off. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of meetings with the manager and maybe the team amongst themselves and Milner and Henderson just to kind of get a grip again a little bit, ready to go again. And the, the league is so done, they, there's maybe a little risk of um, performance dropping off in the Premier League and then they've got to raise it again for the Champions League and for other competitions. I don't know. I mean, it, when they're focused on, on a... On a a target, and every week they're bringing it, apart from this, this yesterday, I just wonder if it's going to be a bit of a, a season now of some good and some bad and how difficult that might be to pull that off. Carl meeting David Beckham, which leads us nicely into the boot room this week. You've probably heard the Premier League are introducing a Hall of Fame. No doubt David Beckham's name will be one of those to enter the Premier League Hall of Fame for all that he did and all that he was. So we decided, we talked about it all weekend, we suddenly thought we should actually do this as a boot room, this, mm -hmm. because we were having arguments. So 
We've asked the guys to come up with their first five through the door um, of the Hall of Fame. So we're going to go one, 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 starting with the very first name that you would put into the Premier League Hall of Fame. Thierry Henry. Easy. Best player I got close to, kind of close to, playing with <laughs> and against. Sorry, For against. a second as he was flying. Uh, it's just, just all-round ability, Rebecca. People ask me all the time, who's the best player you ever played against? And all these players, by the way, are right in my sweet spot, right in my era. So I'm lucky enough to be able to play uh, against these guys. And Henri's effortless pace, sublime skill... Amazing goals of different technique, different sorts of goals. Uh, just was stunning to me, stand out for me. He is, is by far uh, the best player I ever played against. And you've gone for? I'm with him, Thierry Henry. I, um, so uh, that Invincibles team, you're going to make an argument for almost all that squad to make it into a Hall of Fame. I'm mean, really an incredible group, but Thierry Henry... How he played the game, and really how that entire team played the game. I mean, this this goal alone puts you in a Hall of Fame. But I, I, I think people forget how smart he was. You know, they think of the pace, they think of the goal scoring. You know, he he could set a team up. He could run a game, and and to be a number nine that can shift out onto the flank, and and Burkamp can be the guy up top. I mean, the Burkamp Henri. You know, if, if they were one person, they would they would they would be the the you know, the first ticket for Hall of Fame. I mean, Thierry was a phenomenal player. OK, so you've both gone for Thierry Henry to be the very first. Now, you've both gone for the same name as your second person through the door. Rob? Alan Shearer, the ultimate goal scorer, the record goal scorer, and the scorer of all different types of goals. Annoyingly good. Annoyingly <laughs> good. You play against him and if he... I mean, in so many ways, as a number nine, as a striker, I mean, that oh. is iconic, special, crazy... Um, and, and just all different types of goals, Rebecca. And he actually had a bad knee injury, you know, in the middle yes. of his career. And he still came back and he was still great. But I think he could have been even better. Um, so just the, the, the best all-round goal-scoring player that, of course, Data of Fact says the Premier League's ever seen. I, I, I think he's, he, he's as synonymous with the Premier League as the Lion. Yeah, I mean, like I, when I think Premier League, I think Alan Shearer. It's kind of the first face that comes to mind in, this, in the goal celebration and... To think about Thierry Henry and all the gifts that he had, you know, physically, and, and to think of Alan Shearer doing it with, with pure nous and, and craftiness and also incredible drive and, and technique. I mean, just what a player. This is where it gets really interesting after we've done the top two mm. because some go automatically in, and I think most people will agree on Henry, whether it's in the same order or not, and Shearer have to go in. Number three, Robbie. Ryan Giggs. Um... Because I tell you what, I remember him bursting onto the scene for Man United as a teenager, Rebecca. A Man United in a good side with, a, with incredible manager, Sir Alex Ferguson. And I always thought the expectation on this young kid to be a winger at United, with some of the names been in the mm -hmm. past, was incredibly difficult. Yet he did it. He did it every single week where he, his, his, his end product was very good. He excited the fans. He had the pace. He had the skill. I just thought the pressure on that... that young player to perform that way with that ability week in week out he did it at a huge club with massive expectations absolute legend was it Th 13, 13 premier league titles premier league amazing. titles and he amazing. went on till he was nearly 40 yeah, incredible who's your number 3 car Dennis Burkamp okay yeah so Den Dennis Burkamp um, for me one one of the silkiest and i mean this goal forget it <laughs> but one of the silkiest and most genius players that, that, that I've watched. And it's funny, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I was, I was talking with Thierry one time and I asked him, best players you've ever played with? And he said, well, forget Messi for a second. Dennis Burkamp. 
He said, Dennis Perkamp always made the right decision, always knew the right thing to do. And Lee's given us some insight into what he was like in training and stuff. I mean, one of the most skillful strikers we've ever seen in the Premier League. Fourth yeah. in the door. So that's my fourth is okay. Dennis Burkham. And just one thing to add on that is his first ever game in English football, Premier League game, was against us. And my manager said, But Burkham's going to be behind you all the time in your area. Let him know what it's all about to play in English football. Right. And he wanted me to, to tackle him hard and to, to let him know that what it was all about. And I did. And we had a good result, 1 1. But Burkham played on my shoulder and I just made a job of. Getting nice and tight, annoying did him. A job on I did a bit of a Amazing. did a bit of a nasty, aggressive, annoying <laughs> midfield, which is kind of me. Um, but that's yeah. But of course, I mean his career and his abilities which, went on. Everybody saw that, but not in that first game. <laughs> which is a perfect segue to my to my fourth, Roy Keane. Hey, Roy Keane, speaking about doing a number on someone, you know, it's funny, like, I, I was more attracted to, and there's a long list of omissions here. I mean, there's like, you know, I'm kind of in the Cantona, Zola, you know, Gina, uh, uh, a coach, uh, JJ Coach. I loved skill and all that sort of analysis, but Roy Keane as a leader, I, I think, couldn't ask for a bigger leader. Okay, I said you had top five. Just give me your last number five. Don't, don't, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, and you went for? Ryan Giggs. Robbie, do you agree with Kyle? Have VAR got this wrong based on the rules that we have in the, front of the us? The only one I think that might uh, trip it up is where he, he you know, making an action on the ball which impedes an opponent to be able to play it. By pulling his feet away and letting it go past him, is that an action, Kyle, that could affect it, the goalkeeper? Yes. I mean, it's, I'm it, just it trying could, listen, so yeah, I'm with could. you, by the way. And they must think that's why De Gea freezes. Not realising that De Gea freezes because the deflection catches him wrong-footed. Yeah. He doesn't freeze expecting the touch from the player on the ground. The, the, the getting out of the way, and listen, that's a clear action. He wasn't trying to play the ball. If that froze De Gea for a second... Yeah. Then they have an argument. It had no impact on De Gea's ability to make that save. But you could see that it had no impact. So Jonathan Moss just doesn't realise that. I, it I, I don't know. And the other thing, it has to clearly be an error. So, so you know, they have to say he obviously could have gone and dove for that ball if, if Sigurdsson wasn't moving his legs. I mean, that, that argument doesn't exist yeah, whatsoever. The line of sight was something that we've, we. But because he's on the ground, the line of sight from the goalkeeper is above him. But he is so still in the out. line of sight. He's in the line. Got to be obstructing the line of sight. Not, not just in it. He's in the line of, of the goalkeeper, but the sight from the goalkeeper is over the top of the player. So he didn't attempt to play the ball. He didn't touch it. I mean, it, it's not an offence to be in the offside position. Let's just make that clear right away. He's in offside position, yes, but it's not an offence to. As long as you keep away from it and you're not stopping somebody making a play on it and challenging for the ball, I thought that was going to be. I, mean, uh, it, I thought it was going to be okay. It'd be the honest. same thing if he was standing on his feet on the goal line, just let the ball roll through his legs. I mean, it, it, it doesn't affect. And that's the only thing. Let's have another little look at it. So, on balance, you probably think that, wrongly, but you probably think that Jonathan Moss thinks that the withdrawing of the feet mm. towards himself is what has distracted and put off David De Gea, even though David De Gea was already on the There's other There's two end. important qualifiers. He's in an offside position. The next one is he makes a, a clear action here. He, he, he obviously makes an action. It doesn't have to be playing the ball. Here's the action. Does it clearly impact... impact the ability, the ability for De Gea to make the save. It doesn't. There's, there's no way that De Gea can't even make a dive. If you forget about that player on the ground, if you forget about him, because it's not an offence to be in offside position, De Gea, I don't think he's affected by him being there. Or, or, or is he? Good, because yeah. he pulls his legs away. That's a good point. If, if you removed him completely, I think De Gea's movement is identical to what he did there. Mm. 
OK, we hear maybe some clarification from Stockley Park from where VAR is. Yeah, please tell us why we're wrong. We'll we would love to be yeah. wrong on this. Yeah, we will bring that to you. I mean, overall, a point's good for either of them. Who, who feels happier after this? Uh, well, I think probably Everton just. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, though, that Everton did take the game to United. That They, didn't, they weren't going to sit back and allow United the possession that they kind of gave them in the first half. We, Everton fans wanted to see that. Front foot, give some problems for United, and probably you know, both keepers made mistakes, made good saves as well, probably the fair result. But the offside is a huge, huge call. I just think you can't impact an ability that doesn't exist. There was no ability for De Gea to do anything other than what he did. And listen, this guy's watched a lot of football. This guy's played a lot. This guy is obviously very upset with a call that he think is is so bad. Not only has he gone in and done that, we've heard reports he's gone into the referee's room right now because the call seems to be so negligent. And so we're struggling. We're working really hard trying to find where we're wrong. And, and don't forget, it, this needs to be a clear and obvious error of this rule. I, I just can't see how you can argue that, that that movement on the ground blocked the side of the ball or clearly impacted De Gea's ability to, mm. to make a decision to go save it. You're right. Carlo Ancelotti is in the referee's room right now. Don't forget, he was shown a red card at the end of the game. The fact that he's gone into the referee's room, just having spent a lot of time down Premier League tunnels, that doesn't happen very often. I, I would say two or three times I've ever seen a manager go into a referee's room especially as the fact that the referee didn't even make the decision. It was from VAR. So he's obviously trying to understand it. Do you agree and he's probably with... seen the video and, as well. And seen the video. Point. Like we saw Dominic Calvert-Lewin saw the video. Do you agree with Kyle on the second point about yes. impacting yes. David De Gea's ability to play the ball? I do. It did not impact. No, because he sees the shot go in one direction. He starts making the save. He gets deflected. And before he can even do anything about it, it's in the back of the net. The player on the ground, for me, didn't change his... Change what? I mean, he, it's not as though he changed direction and then set himself again and, and, and was unsure. He went one way, he leaned back, deflected, it's in the back and, of the and, net. And here, I think we, Everton are unlucky. We there. see that all the time. Listen, we see all the time a player in an offside position, you know, two yards to the left or right of a goalkeeper, not blocking a sight when the ball's hit. And the ball travels on the opposite side of that player. So if, if this argument's true that for a second he couldn't see the ball, line of sight, then yeah. all, of these, all of these ones that have never been called, that are never called, would have to now so, be in... Play. It's just I, I think they're getting the interpretation of the rule wrong, well, and my, think he could have made the save. That's my question. Why do you think they are made that decision? Then why do you, do you think they? Je- it's got to be one of those two things: line of sight or whether David Hare was it was but impacted. But completely against both of them. So what's Jonathan well, Moss? Th- we might be wrong. We might be wrong. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's opinion out there. VAR, they're professional officials, but, Rebecca. We, we should be wrong here because they've had time to look at it on the video and make the call. Here's, that, that's here's, all I'm saying. I'm, a, I'm, I'm OK with being wrong, mm. but we, we've gone through every line of this rule and well, that's it. Aren't, aren't we demonstrating that VAR didn't work here? We, if we don't agree, it's not clear and obvious error that yeah. the, the, the rule. I mean, and, and by the way, we're, re- we're reading the rule and breaking it down. Clear and obvious action. Yes. Was he in an outside position? Yes. Okay. Did it clearly impact an ability? Mm. OK. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. 
try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.